Leif Solberg was one of the guys that, if you met him, you may have assumed is somebody who's really unlikely to become a follower of Jesus. He was a medical doctor and a researcher at that. He was a man of science and committed to reason. He had little to do with faith. Until one day, Leif had an accident. He hit his head and didn't go into the doctor or see anyone about it for about a month. But it was four or five weeks after that incident occurred that he was unable to form words. And he realized something was terribly wrong. The CT scan confirmed that he was, in fact, bleeding from the brain. There was an inch of blood on the left side of his skull. It was actually pushing his brain to the right, and that's why he was not able to formulate words any longer. And because he had waited so long to go in and see someone about it, a lot of the blood had begun to dry, and the prognosis was terribly grim. As Leif sat in his hospital bed, considering the gravity of his situation, somebody came to visit him who was a friend of his, who was a committed follower of Jesus. And in that hospital room, that friend of Leif's did something that required a tremendous amount of bravery. He told him about his own faith with Jesus and then told Leif that he was going to pray for him. And not just him, but he was going to send this out to a whole prayer chain of people, a hundred or more people that were going to be praying for his healing. A few days later, Leif had an updated CT scan, and it revealed no more blood. It was a miracle. And Leif, a man of great science, realized that there was no medical explanation for his dramatic healing. And that led him to consider Christianity. He was wrestling, though, with how do you reconcile faith in in Jesus with all of the science and and the reason and the training that he had been brought up in. So he sought out a local pastor who spent a tremendous amount of time with him and helped him to realize that science and faith are not oppositional. They actually work incredibly well together. And Leif became a committed follower of Jesus, even being baptized in a local church. And I love that story about Leif coming to faith in Christ. And I love it not because it involves a miraculous healing, although that's powerful. I love it not because it shows the power of prayer, although that's wonderful, or about reconciling faith and, 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 and science. But what I love about it was the bravery of his friend to go to someone who, you knew, who he knew didn't believe in God or have any patience for the Bible and yet be so brave to talk with him about his own faith, and to say that he's going to pray for him. And I love that story because that's how I want to be. I want to be somebody who is brave about my relationship with Jesus. I want to be brave in my community. I want to be brave with my friends. I want to be brave with people who don't yet know the Lord. And I'm not alone. A lot of us want to be brave. In fact, someone who also wanted to be brave for Jesus was one of his first followers. It was the Apostle Peter. Peter wanted to be brave for Jesus. And One day after a big, important dinner that Jesus had with his followers, what would later become known as the Last Supper, they were walking out to a garden to pray. And Jesus said some troubling words to Peter and the rest of his friends. Jesus says this, Matthew records it for us. Jesus said, This very night you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. And Peter hears those words, and I imagine he must have assumed this was a test. 
that Jesus was trying to see, do you really love me? Do you really follow me? Are you really gonna be brave and bold for me? And, and everything within Peter wanted to pass this test. And so he was like, I, I'm, I'm gonna be confident, I'm gonna be bold, and he declares to Jesus, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. I just love the boldness of Peter in that moment. Like many of us desire to want to be able to say the same thing. You know, one of the things that I love about Wooddale Church is that we have global partners that are around the world. And many of our global partners are serving in countries where it is not legal or comfortable to be a Christian. Many of them are facing severe persecution. And it's caused me to wonder, if I faced persecution, would I be brave? Would I be bold for my faith? Several years ago, Pastor Dale and I were in a country in Asia, and we were talking with a lot of church planters there who were telling us horrific stories of their own persecution in this country that was very unfavorable to Christianity. And after we got done with our meetings and the trainings, we were heading home. And just because of the travel schedule, Dale's flight left several hours before mine, so he left me alone in this country, and I made my way to, to the airport by myself, and it was late at night. I was exhausted from, from being away from home and just excited to get back. And I'm standing in line, and I realize that the reason we're in line at the airport is you have to go through another immigration checkpoint that the military runs to be able to leave this country. And so I'm standing in line holding my passport, and I'm hearing and thinking about, or thinking about all these stories I've been hearing about persecution. And I start wondering, are they gonna ask me something about my faith? as I'm trying to leave this country? If they do, what would I say? Are they gonna ask me if I'm a Christian? Are they gonna ask me if I've been helping church planters in, in this nation with the underground church? Which by the way, that's not on the immigration form. Nobody's gonna ask that question, but your mind just kind of starts wondering. And as I got closer and closer to that military checkpoint, I found myself praying for bravery. And it was like this very emotional moment for me as I walked up and I, and I handed my passport to this military officer and he, he stared right back at me and then said nothing. He stamped it and I moved on and five minutes later I was drinking a tea. But it was this very emotional moment of like, am I gonna be brave in this moment? And what's so amazing to me is that we can have these opportunities where we have to kind of gear ourselves up to be really brave for the Lord. But bravery isn't required in those big moments. Actually, bravery to talk about our faith in Jesus is required for the small moments. See, Peter was ready for the big moment. Just a few hours after his bold declaration that he was, he was never going to fall away from Jesus, uh, he had a chance to prove himself right. Uh, that There was a, an army of, of, of people, a mob, that came and arrested Jesus. And Peter, true to his word, was brave. He drew his sword out, even cutting off the ear of one of the men that had come to arrest Jesus. But Jesus turned to Peter and he said, put your sword away. That is not how my kingdom comes. And then Jesus allowed himself to be arrested which surprised Peter and the rest of his followers. And the words of Jesus came true because all of those men scattered. But, but Peter couldn't leave Jesus. And so he followed him, but he followed him from a safe distance. And he followed him from the safe distance and, and he watched what, what happened to Jesus. Jesus was brought into the high priest home and there was a, a, a sham trial that was going on and Peter was waiting outside. And so for hours while Jesus is inside, Peter is just sitting there, waiting for something to happen, and he's warming himself by the fire, and that's when it happened. 
Matthew, Matthew continues to, to record the story for us. It says, now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him. You were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with the Jesus, was with Jesus of Nazareth. And he said again, he denied it with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely you are one of them. Your accent gives it away. And then he began to call down curses and swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. It wasn't to a military officer, a, a Roman guard, that Peter disowned Jesus. It wasn't to the high powerful uh, religious leaders or the Sanhedrin that, that Peter denied Jesus to. It wasn't even to his own peers who said, Peter, come on, it's time to stop doing this Jesus thing and, and, and leave that and go back to your fishing business. It wasn't even to them. It was to a servant girl, to two servant girls, that Peter denied Jesus. In this culture, those servant girls would not have even be allowed to have been a witness in a court of law. The, the servant girls and that, that, that crowd of strangers around the fire, they had no influence in Peter's life. They had no authority over him. They could do nothing to him, and yet it was to them that Peter denied Jesus. See, we need to be brave, not in the big moments, but in the small moments. And that's my story, too. Uh, there have been uh, countless moments where I've been caught off guard, I've, I felt unprepared, somebody asked me something, and, and instead of being brave for Jesus, I just kind of fumble my way through it. In fact, an event like that happened to me when I was a sophomore in college. In my sophomore year, my, my freshman and sophomore year of college, I was really trying to just sort out my relationship with the Lord. I, I, I wanted to follow him, but there were some areas in my life where I was not following him. And, and God was so faithful to me. He was using his word to point out these areas that I needed to, to bring into alignment with him. And so one of the things that, that was helping me was, was spending time every single morning reading God's word and, and in prayer. And so I had a calendar or a, a, a planner that I was using to just kind of manage my work and, and my class schedule. And I wrote out on this calendar a, a time, I blocked out a time for a quiet time every morning. But again, I, I just wasn't really, I wasn't as committed to my faith as I needed to be in college. And so rather than write quiet time on my planner, you know, just in case somebody saw it, uh, I, I went uh, incognito and I wrote QT, you know, cause like nobody will know what that means, right? And so I had this on my planner and uh, it, was, it was there. And, and one day, uh, my roommate has a group of friends that, that come over to our apartment and somebody just happens to be looking at my planner that's open. And this person who I've never met before looks at this planner and she looks up at me and she goes, QT, wait, do you have a quiet time every day? And I'm totally caught off guard. And I like stare back at her, like I don't know what to say in this moment. And kind of the rest of, of my roommate's friends start looking at me and so now like there's, there's more pressure here. And she just keeps going, she goes, Wait a minute, like, quiet time, are you a Christian? Do you, do you like, read the Bible every day? Do you believe the Bible is true? Now, quick time out. If somebody comes to you today and says to you, are you a Christian? Do you read the Bible? Do you believe that it's true? I mean, can you think of a better setup 
Like, I pray that I would be able to have those conversations today. I'm like, Lord, bring me somebody that I could, that would ask me that. I mean, what a perfect tee up to share about our faith in Jesus. But in this moment, I, your pastor, blew it. <laughs> I had no idea what to say. I got tongue-tied, and I think what came out of my mouth was like, sort of? Like, what do you mean sort of? Like, you're sort of a Christian? You sort of believe in the Bible? You sort of read it? Like, what Like what was that? And, and then and then I, I kind of said something that was super evasive and vague. I just wanted the conversation to be over, and they left. And I was standing there thinking to myself, what just happened? Have you had a what just happened moment? We've all had these like what just happened moment. Peter had them, we have them. So what's going on in those moments? Why why does that happen? Well, there's there's two things that that we're experiencing in these moments that, that just make it awkward and really difficult to be able to share our faith. And the first is that we recognize that when it comes to sharing our faith, we are we are talking about something that is incredibly personal to us. Right? This isn't about like what sports teams we like or even our place of employment or you know what our favorite brand of shoe is or something. Like we're talking about something that, that is eternal, that, that's so deep in our soul. And so to share about it requires a tremendous amount of vulnerability. And our culture tells us that when it comes to things of faith, that things of faith are personal and they're private. And they're half right. Our faith is personal. God's word is clear to us that we can have a personal relationship with him through Jesus Christ. Our faith is incredibly personal. But they're wrong about the second half. It is never intended to be private. Culture wants to tell us that your faith is private. Just keep your your faith to yourself. We don't want to hear about it. But, But actually, God says, no, Faith is okay to be public. In fact, you need to to testify to people. You need to witness. You need to be out front with with who you are in me and what your relationship with me is all about. And so when we share our faith, we're pushing against this cultural narrative that says that faith should be private. And that feels weird to us. Because if we have any sort of EQ at all, we recognize that we're kind of, we're breaking a cultural norm. And that feels a little weird for us. So listen, if if you ever feel awkward when it comes to sharing your faith, do you know what that makes you? It makes you normal. Because it is kind of an awkward thing, and it's okay to feel a little awkward about it. It doesn't mean we need to be awkward with it. It just means that if you're feeling that way, that's normal. Keep going. But the second reason that we have maybe a hang-up or, or, or some trouble being able to share our faith and or share our story and be brave for the Lord is because what's happening is we're stepping into something that is deeply spiritual. Here's what the Apostle Paul tells us about the world in which we live. He, he says this in 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. And let me read this for you in the NLT translation. Paul writes this. He says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. So Paul is telling us that what's happening in our world is that people who don't believe in Jesus, they've been blinded by the enemy. 
They've been bound up by lies and deceits and sin and death has ensnared them and they're held captive and they don't even recognize that that's what's going on. And so because of that, we're stepping into something that is spiritual because when we talk about Jesus, we're talking about the way that people can be free from the spiritual bondage that's around their soul. So when we talk about our faith in Jesus, we are stepping into something that is absolutely spiritual. And so because of that, we need to be prepared for the spiritual reality that we step into. And a great passage of scripture that can help us do that is found in Ephesians chapter 6. It's a section at the end of of chapter 6 that is commonly referred to as the armor of God. And uh, as you're turning there to Ephesians chapter 6, if you have a Bible nearby, Uh, I just want to comment that we did a whole series on the different elements of the armor of God a few years ago here at Wooddale Church. And uh, we're not going to have time today to talk through each of the different elements, but that series uh, would be a great one to refer back to so you can learn about what the breastplate of righteousness is and the helmet of salvation and all the different elements. But, But as I read these words about the spiritual realities, the spiritual battles that we step into, I want you to listen to what the Apostle Paul says because he gives to us a reoccurring command here that we need to listen to. Here it is, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Paul writes this, he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I mean, Paul's saying here what he says to us in 2 Corinthians, that what we're up against isn't against other people, it's against the spiritual forces of this world. Folks, people in this world are not our enemies. They're not the problem. They're the point. The enemy is the one who has wrapped them up with lies and deceit, and we need to set them free. And so then he tells us, you know, because we're stepping into something so spiritual in verse 13, he says this, he says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Then he goes on to talk about the different elements. And so the key word there, the key command there that Paul gives to us is in the midst of our spiritual battles, what we are called to do, four different times he tells us, we are called to stand. That's what we're supposed to do. In the midst of spiritual battles, we are called to stand. We are not called to go have victory over the enemy. We're not called to go run and hide from the enemy. We're called to stand. And if we're in the midst of a battle and and your job is just to stand there, not to go seek and hide undercover and and not to, you know, go be heroic and and, and take take your weapon and go advance against the enemy, but your call is just to stand, that requires a tremendous amount of bravery. So why does he call us to stand? I mean, why not go advance? Well, the reason is because it's not our victory to win. Jesus has already won the victory. That's the point. But Paul's saying the victory's already been won by Jesus and what he did on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, he did so to take on the punishment for our sins. 
And then when he rose again on the third day, he proved that he had victory over sin and over death. It could not defeat him like it had defeated every single other human being. Jesus and Jesus alone is the one who has victory over sin and death. Which means when, when we are in the victory of Jesus, we too, not because of our effort, but because of his, we too have victory over sin and death. It has set us free from what the enemy has bound around us. And so it's not our victory to go win. We stand in the victory that Christ has already given to us. And so we are to stand. Now, I find it fascinating that in the court of law here in our country, in America, that if you are called by the court to come and testify, or you are called to come and witness, where you do that is a witness stand. And a lot of our legal system was based on the legal system in the United Kingdom. And in the United Kingdom, if you're called by the court to come and testify, if you're physically able, you stand. You stand up and, and you give your testimony. You, you, you witness to the court what, what is true for you or, or what, what you have to share with them. And you do that by standing. There's something profound there of saying, when, when we are called by, by the Apostle Paul to stand our ground, we stand by sharing our testimony. That when we, when we share what Jesus has done in our life, it is a powerful way for us to bear witness and to stand firm in the spiritual battle. And if you're thinking to yourself, I don't know, Kyle, that just seems kind of lame. Like, I'd rather go, like, take the enemy. Listen, we don't understand then the power of our testimony. The, the Apostle John, another one of the followers of Jesus, that near the end of his life has, has a, an amazing revelation of what's to come at the end of the age. And he describes how the, the great accuser, Satan, is going to be defeated. Here's what he says in Revelation 12. I, I want you to read this. Listen to the power of our testimony. John writes this. He says, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser, that's Satan, of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. He's been hurled down. Well, how has he been hurled down? They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb. Okay, so that not, not by their own effort, not by their own blood, but by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's how Satan was hurled down. He was defeated by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And by the word of their testimony. That's how powerful our testimony is. It can defeat the bonds of sin and death that Satan uses to hold people captive. That's how powerful our story is. Because it's not about us, but what Jesus has done within us and in our lives. Folks, when we share our story, it has spiritual power to break bonds. And we do it when we stand our ground. And we bear witness to what Jesus has done in our life. Okay, so the question is, well, how do I do that? So practically speaking, how do we take our stand? And Paul goes on in verse 18 of Ephesians 6 to tell us how to do this. He says this in verse 18, and pray. And pray. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Then Paul says this, he says, pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. And then again, Paul underscores 
pray for me that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Paul says, I want to be brave. And in order for me to be brave, I need you to pray for me. And folks, this is the same is true for us. Prayer allows us to stand our ground in the spiritual battles and to fearlessly proclaim who Jesus is. And you know what's fascinating about Peter? The night that he denied Jesus? Do you know the one thing that Peter failed to do? Was pray. See, shortly after Jesus told his followers that they were going to fall away from him, he went into a garden. And there he was praying. And he invited Peter and a few others to come pray with him. But instead of praying, Peter fell asleep. And Jesus comes and finds Peter sleeping. And here's what happens. Matthew, again, tells us this story. He, Jesus, returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. And then Jesus said this to Peter, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And see, that was Peter's problem. Peter wanted to be brave for Jesus, but he tried to do it in his own flesh and his own power. He wasn't prepared. He wasn't prayed up, and so he wasn't brave when the moment required him to be. So how can we be brave for Jesus? I want to leave us with two practical steps that we can do to really be brave for the Lord in our lives. And the first comes right from what Paul told us to do. We need to pray. We need to pray because in prayer, it has the Holy Spirit guiding us to people and to interactions that we can have with others who need and are ready to hear about Jesus. But through prayer, we're also relying not on our own strength, but on the strength of God. Not on our power, but on the power of Christ. And so when we choose to pray and we take time to pray, it gets us ready to be brave. I love a story that I heard recently from somebody who attends one of our campuses at Wooddale Church. As part of our new vision, Pastor Brian has been helping us with this family resource initiative. It's just an opportunity for us to go bless the communities. And one of the ways that he wants to, to do this is to offer what he's calling Lunch and Learns. So every Thursday at our Eden Prairie campus, uh, we offer a, a speaker who comes in and there's somebody that's within the kingdom of God. It, it's not always proclaiming the, the gospel, but it's, it's giving some really great guidance to people that it's just helped their own lives to be a blessing to them. And uh, Pastor Brian was talking to, to somebody here at Wooddale Church and was encouraging them to invite their coworkers to a leadership development session that we had a, a few Thursdays ago. And the response that this woman gave to Brian was like, I would never invite my coworkers. They are openly hostile to the things of faith. And Brian said, well, why don't you just pray about it? And so she did. And God's spirit told her, you need to invite them. And so she said, okay, God, I'll invite them, but only if you give me an opportunity and only if you give me the words. And a few days later, that's exactly what happened. Conversation turned, she had an opportunity, she invited them, they said yes, and they came, and they loved it. Now, they haven't made a faith decision yet, but it opened the door and that relationship is gonna continue. And she told me what this experience was like for her after her coworkers were here at the church hearing this great seminar. She said, Kyle, it was, it was prayer that changed everything. Prayer is what gave me the boldness to be able to do this. And that's just such a great, simple, straightforward example for all of us. A great thing for us to, to be prepared so that 
that we can be brave in these short but intentional moments that we have in our lives with other people is simply to pray a prayer every morning to say, God, bring me someone who needs to hear about you or someone that I can share my story with. And when that opportunity comes, Father, would you give me the words and would you help me to be brave? And you know what? God will answer that prayer. And you'll be amazed at the conversations and the opportunities that you'll be able to have, not because of you, but because of how good our God is and because he is helping you to be brave. Now, when that conversation happens and when someone asks you, that leads us to the second thing that we need to do, and that is to be prepared. Because when someone asks you, you don't want to be caught off guard like I was in college and not sure what to say. You want to be prepared. And what you need to be prepared with and what I need to be prepared with is not to try to convince somebody to become a Christian. That's actually not our job. In fact, Rico Tice is an evangelist out of the United Kingdom, and he says one of the reasons that people struggle with evangelism is they get their role and God's role confused. Our role is never to tell somebody that they have to become a believer and to convince them to do so. Our role is simply to tell our story. Simply to, to tell our story about how Jesus changed our lives. That's what we do. So we need to be prepared not to convince somebody, but simply to tell our story. So to help with that here at Wooddale Church, just because we want to be really practical with this, uh, over the next three months, we're offering a, a short class. It's kind of like a workshop. It's, it's about an hour uh, for, for two sessions. And what you'll have an opportunity to do is simply to write out your story, to write out your story about how you came to faith in Jesus and how Jesus Christ is changing and continuing to change you. And that's it. It's a really helpful, very practical way so that when conversations come up, you're ready using your own voice and language that's authentic to you so you feel less awkward and it just kind of flows more naturally but authentically from you and you get to share your story. So I want to encourage you to go to our website and to sign up for one of these Share Your Faith classes. We have them across our campuses. And again, it's happening for the next several months. A really practical step to go through so you are prepared in that moment to share your story. We ran a pilot of one of these courses a few months ago as we were trying to work out uh, what that course was going to look like. And one of the individuals that went through that pilot program this fall of the Share Your Story class was Leif Solberg. That's right. The guy who was miraculously healed by God and that led him into a faith relationship with Jesus, that guy went through the Share Your Story class. So if he found benefit from the class, this class is for everybody, okay? And what Leif told me is after going through that class, it helped him with two specific things. Leif goes to Wooddale Church. And what he told me is he said, Kyle, by taking some time to, to remind myself of the story of how I came to faith in Jesus and, and to think about how Jesus has changed my life and how I'm different now that I'm a follower of him, he said it, it caused so much gratitude for me because I'm so grateful for how Jesus has impacted me. He said, just, just, just the process of writing that out was so good for my soul. It was a blessing to me. But he said the second thing that it did is it helped me to realize that my story has given me a personal mission field. He said that because of my story about wrestling with how to integrate science and faith, he said, I have a unique ministry that I can help other people who are really struggling and wrestling with how do I reconcile faith and science? 
And so he said, now I have a personal mission field and I'm praying that God would lead me to people who are in that same struggle so that I have an opportunity to share with them what I learned and I had an opportunity to share my story with them. And I love that. And you know what I love most about that? You know how old Leif Solberg is? He's 84 years old. He's 84, which tells us you are never too young, you are never too old, you are never too new in your faith, and you never came to Jesus too long ago to not be relevant. All of us, if we're still here and we have a story about how Jesus has changed our life, God will use it in a powerful, powerful way. Here's the thing. The battle we face is not our own. It's Jesus. And he's already won. You and I didn't earn our salvation. In fact, we often say that we are saved by faith. But here's the thing. If you and I, through prayer and being prepared to share our own story, take this seriously, not, not only are we saved by faith, but God will give us an opportunity to be brave by faith. And being prepared is what the Apostle Peter learned needed to happen. Because at the end of his life, he writes in 1 Peter that he tells each and every one of us that we need to be prepared to give an answer for the reason for the hope that we have. And so folks, let's learn from Peter's example. Let's be brave by faith and be prepared to give a reason and an answer for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Father, I'm grateful for, Lord, the example that you've given to us of Peter's life. Father, the words that Paul has given to us that are from you that tell us about the reality on a spiritual level of, of what we encounter on a daily basis. And Father, I pray that we would take those words seriously. Lord, that, that we would embrace them, that we would put them into practice in our own lives. And Father, I pray for each of us that this week you would give every single one of us an opportunity in an interaction we have with somebody who needs to know about you, to this week, be brave. And Father, may that moment of bravery lead that person into a faith relationship with you. And we ask all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen.